This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Welcome to this virtual qualification recording of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous FA. I am a food addict from the Bay Area, California, and I will share my story of recovery from food addiction. Oh, goodness. Um, I, <laughs> I'm so grateful to be here. Um, you know, I, I get, I feel a little bit nervous and to be sharing my story. And I know that the reason I'm so nervous is because I have no idea how to pack all the miracles that this program has given me into 30 minutes. And um, the great thing is I don't have to because the miracles that have happened in my life have happened to everyone else on this call, have happened to everyone else in this fellowship who is honestly working this program. And so I think that's one of the most special things for me is that this program doesn't just work for me. It doesn't just work for the, you know, thin ones or the heavy ones or the rich ones or the poor ones. This program is for everyone who honestly wants to work the tools. Um, and so it's just, I'm not unique. Like the blessings that have come into my life are here, are here for everyone. And it is so, I'm so grateful that I don't have to figure out this program that it was just handed down to me by someone that it was handed down to them and they're just passing on their experience and I get to do the same and it's guaranteed to work. Um, you know, I've, I've heard someone say like when the newcomer comes in desperate, you know, just having binged two minutes before the meeting and they come in and looking for help and we get to say, this program works. I don't have to question it um, and I don't have any doubt. So I am so grateful and the miracles, you know, have been in every area of my life and my relationships and my work and my whole, you know, every single portion of my life has been touched by this program. But the foundational miracle today is that I woke up this morning, I got on my knees, read some spiritual literature, had some quiet time, did some things to take care of my daughter, had a weighted measured breakfast, talked to my sponsees and got on this call. And what I didn't do was go eat a bunch of things. <laughs> um, you know, and every part of that sentence to me is a miracle today. The fact that I woke up is huge. You know, my parents have a lot of health issues. Um, I was 241 pounds at 17 years old when I came into this program. So my health was not looking promising. Um, so the fact that I woke up this morning is huge. The fact that I got on my knees is huge because at 241 pounds, it's hard to get on your knees. You know, I, before this program, I would be sitting in bed and I would have to think if I wanted to roll over or move in any way, I'd have to think like, how badly do I really want to roll over right now? Because to flip 241 pounds of weight from one side to the other took a lot of effort. Um, so, and I had a lot of body aches and issues and things like that. So to be able to get on my knees um, is a miracle. But I got to get on my knees. I took some time with God or my higher, what I call, I call my higher power God. And I took some time with God this morning. I did not have a relationship with God before this program at all. Um, and that is so much of why I ate, because I was trying to stuff 
you know, I felt a deep, deep emptiness before this program. And the only thing that I knew how to try to fill it with before this program was food and people and love and attention. Um, And it never worked. And so it was just this perpetual cycle of feeling empty, feeling alone, eating, 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 thinking that was the issue and having that not work. Where in this program, I can feel the emptiness and I get to fill it with God. Um, And people in this program taught me how to have a relationship with God because I certainly didn't know how to have one before. Um, and the fact that I have a daughter today and a partner and a husband, um, is such a miracle. Um, because again, I was not on this path. I made up a boyfriend when I was in high school because I felt so lonely and so insecure and like it would never happen for me. I remember thinking, um, (laughs) when I was in middle school, if I'm not kissed by the time I'm in high school, I'm just going to grab a guy and kiss him. Um, and I did not kiss a guy until I came into this program, um, until after high school. So the fact that I have, you know, that I'm married today um, and have a family is is truly a gift. Um, and that it's a happy, healthy marriage today. Not that it's perfect by any means and not that I'm a perfect mom by any means. Um, but the fact that, you know, I'm not, I would be the mom that would be, you know, having a crying baby, putting her in the corner and going and eating or just counting down the seconds till she would fall asleep so I could go eat. Um, and this program helps me present in my life today. So, and then I got to top to, you know, have a weighted measured breakfast, which was like, I didn't even know how to use a scale when I came into this program. When they said ounces, you know, have this many ounces of this. I'm like, what's an ounce? I have no idea. I was 17 and it's right before my senior year of high school. I didn't know, literally didn't know how to boil water when I came in here. So the fact that I could make my own breakfast and not just go to the pantry and shove a bunch of stuff in my face, um, such a miracle. So, and then I get to be available for other people and get to hear about their lives and get out of my head. Um, it's such a gift. So anyways, that's just a little bit about <laughs> this morning and just some of the miracles that have happened. Um, so if all I can convey today to a newcomer, to someone who's struggling, is that it is possible to not be a magnet to the shoot anymore. And that is the single most miraculous part of my life is that before this program, every single second, I felt like it was a magnet to the food. If I was thinking about it, if I was watching someone else eat it, if I was fantasizing about it, if I was planning where I was going to go to get my food, where I was going to get the money to get my food, how I could stuff the lunch that I packed in my pocket and sneak it in the bathroom stall. Um, my mind was completely obsessed with food almost all of the time, if not all of the time. And that's not there today. Um, I do not feel like a magnet to the food. My daughter and my husband eat stuff that I don't eat and I do not crave it today. Um, And that is only because of this program. So I came into this program and I did not think my body was capable of losing weight. I literally thought that my cells and my body were different and that calories in and calories out actually affect, you know, what showed up on my body. Um, So, but this program works. I came in here um, in August of 2008, and I was 241 pounds. I was wearing a size 24 pants, a size 2XL t-shirt. Um, I had rosacea, which is this red rash all over my cheeks and my chest. Um, I had terrible heartburn at night, and I would swear to myself, I'm not going to do this again. And then I would wake up in the morning and go and eat again. And, you know, today I'm about 124 pounds. Um, 
and I wear a size small. I wear a size four-ish in pants. Um, I remember when I was losing my weight. Um, I, I grew up in the Bay Area and I went to and to Massachusetts for college. And um, there was this one thin girl in my friend group, and I could sh- I could wear her shorts, and I was like, "That is crazy!" And then I remember there was this. Um, <laughs> there's this little playground um, near our dorm and there was a seesaw and I went on the seesaw with the thin girl in my friend group like that was unheard of I would never get on a seesaw because I would just plunk down and the person would go flying so um, you know the physical part of this program absolutely works and I swore up and down I would never wear a bikini never be in single digit clothing um, so I'm just so grateful again that this works for everyone who's willing to work it so a little bit about where I'm coming from. Um, I am an only child and I had two very, very, very loving parents who loved each other a ton and loved me to the nth degree. And I'm so grateful for them. And they they are wonderful parents, um, were and are wonderful parents. Um, and the amount of love that they had for me definitely had, I, you know, for me, I made them my own issues. So I expected everyone to love me the way that my parents loved me. And when they don't, I feel like I'm not loved. So they set the bar really, really high. <laughs> so I have in this program I have to really work on my expectations about what love looks like. Um, and even with how much they loved me, I still felt empty inside. I still wanted more. And they were both, my mom actually came into the program about eight months after I did, which was such a gift. Um, she's the one who told me about program. Her and a family friend had found out about program our family friend joined and my mom uh, got too sick and so didn't join, but she wanted to. And then I came in and took about eight months and then she finally came in. Um, It it saved her life for many, many years. Um, But I say that to say food was very prevalent in our home. Uh, We didn't have a lot of snacks, but I could binge on anything. And so I found stuff in our cupboards and our pantries to eat. And I helped myself and my parents didn't really monitor my food. I mean, they would do like the normal parent things of why don't you save that till after dinner? Why don't we take that, you know, appetizer thing away so you can save room for your dinner? And um, but they never made me feel shame. And yet I was sneaking food from a very early age. So I knew every crick in the staircase. You know, I my parents would catch me eating food um, and I would deny it. And I would believe myself, you know, and they read. My parents, one of my earliest memories is um, I was getting something in the kitchen and my dad was working in our driveway and there's like a sliding glass door. And so when you're in the driveway, you can see the kitchen. And he came in and said, what were you just eating? I said, I wasn't eating. I said, I saw you through the sliding glass door. What were you eating? I said, I wasn't. It wasn't me. And I convinced myself that I wasn't eating. And, you know, if they would go out, that was like my heyday. That was the best thing in the whole world is when my parents would go out and I got to be home alone because then I could just eat and be in front of the TV. I used to call the Bermuda Triangle, the kitchen, the TV, and the couch. And I would just go around and around and around. Um, and sometimes I would misjudge when they were coming home and I'd throw whatever I'd made in like the back of the pantry. And they would come home and see it and say, did you make this? I said, nope, wasn't me. And I'm an only child and I was the only one in the house. So but this is how I know this is a mental disease. This is a physical, mental, and spiritual disease. I was um, in such denial. So, and I lived a complete life of fantasy. Um, like I said, I made up a boyfriend. I would 
go to bed at seven o'clock at night and put on my iPhone or then it was iPod. Before that, it was the Walkman. <laughs> um, and I would just listen to music and fantasize what my life would be like if I was thin or had a boyfriend or whatever it was and be there for hours just fantasizing. Um, so I live just in a fantasy world. Um, I love that definition of denial of lying to yourself and not even knowing it. And that was so much of my life. First and foremost around the food that I just, I would eat all the time and and just didn't think would end up on my body and it did. Um, and definitely, you know, again, around my relationships about making up a boyfriend and um, one of the biggest ways that I lied too is my parents, my mom was sick her whole life. So my whole life and would be in the hospital, you know, three, four times a year for two weeks at a time and many, many trips to the emergency room in between. Um, and then my dad got sick my freshman year of high school um, with cancer. So I had a lot of feelings, but I had no idea what those were. I had no idea. And my parents talked about feelings all the time. Like we were a very open household, but I didn't know how to process my own feelings and I had no language to talk about them. Um, so I didn't know how to go to my friends at school and say, you know, my mom went to the emergency room again and I'm sad. Can I have a hug? Um, instead, I would go to my friends and say, my mom, um, her heart stopped last night. We had to call an ambulance and I'm freaking out, um, you know, or something just I would lie to be very dramatic because I didn't know how to ask for what I needed. I just wanted everyone to know what I needed immediately. Um, and they, they're not mind readers. No one's a mind reader. So when they wouldn't give me what I wanted, which was love and attention, I would go to the food um, and I would like it was it was this constant cycle of let me set them up to have very unreal expectations they can never meet so that they'll fail and then I can just eat over it. Um, and what I thought, I thought the food was bringing me comfort. You know, my mantra growing up was I'm a good daughter. Look how much I deal with. I don't do drugs. I'm not promiscuous. I don't drink. So the food is the one thing I have that I do for myself. So let me just keep eating. Um, and that was what I thought was my best friend. I I remember my junior prom, it was right before, it was um, the whatever, March or April before I came into program. And my mom was in the ICU um, and my friends came to the ICU with me to show my mom all of us in our gowns. Like, if that's not love, I don't know what is, but it still wasn't enough for me. And at the junior prom, I made up this big dramatic story about how my friend was trying to steal my date and um, and then they were all going to go back to my friend's house afterwards for a sleepover. And when they said, are you coming? I was feeling so left out and so alone. And I just said, no, I'm not coming. My, um, my mom's heart stops. I have to go back to the hospital. So not true. And what I wanted was for them to say, okay, we'll come with you. And thank God they didn't because that wasn't true. I don't know what I would have done if they had come with me. Um, but instead I went home and ate or my friends were at, you know, with a big sleepover and I was home eating my brains out because I didn't know how to handle the feelings of feeling just sad that my mom was in the ICU, that I had to go junior dress shopping on my own because my mom was in the hospital. Um, I feel tears now thinking about it and thank you, God, that's recovery, that I can feel the feelings now. Um, oh, yeah. I remember, um, I remember walking down the stairs during my junior prom um, and my, my dad was visiting my mom in the hospital and I was alone in the house. And I remember saying out loud, 
um, this is so not what I wanted. So, but when I was growing up, I had no idea that I was having feelings about my parents being sick. People would tell me, you're so strong, you know, you're the adult in the family, must be so hard. And I would say, that's not true. My parents take great care of me. They love me. I don't know what you're talking about. And it wasn't until years into being in this program that I got in touch with that I do have feelings for my parents being sick. And it doesn't take away from the fact that they were incredible parents and did everything they could to love me and did the best they could to support me through how it was having two sick parents growing up. And I still have feelings about it. So today, this program has given me a language and all of you to talk to about it. Whereas before this program, all I had was the food. Um, so, so I hope that paints just a bit of a picture <laughs> about what it was like. I can also say it was just an ego maniac with an inferiority complex. Um, I've heard that in this room and that was me. Is I'm so great because look how look how much I handle, look how well I do, look how my life looks so good on the outside. Um, and then on the inside, my mantra was, well, I'm not pretty or smart or funny, but if you feel sorry for me, you'll let me hang out with you. That's the only way you're going to like me is if you feel sorry for me, which is part of why I kept lying and trying to dig my claws into my friends because I didn't think they would want to hang out with me. But if they felt sorry for me, they feel like they had to. Um, and that for me was as much of an addiction as the food. Like focusing on why my friends weren't doing enough for me or focusing on why, you know, if so-and-so would just do A, B, and C, then my life would be better. Like focusing on them and what they should be doing to make me feel better was an escape and an addiction as much as eating was for me. So um, this program has given me healthy tools <laughs> to deal with my feelings rather than having to continuously set people up to disappoint me and then feeling disappointed and getting angry at them for it when it was all my doing in the first place. So um, the summer between summer after my junior year, um, I went on this cross country trip for six weeks with 30 other teenagers. And um, it was out to eat literally every single meal. It was bus stop snacks and vending machines. And I gained so much weight on that trip. And it was a total bottom. My lies went to the nth degree. And I don't say this lightly. It hurts that this was, this to me is how it was my bottom is um, I told you I made up a boyfriend. Well, on that trip, I felt so alone that not only did I make up a boyfriend, but I made up that he died. Um, and I like would wake myself up in the middle of the night crying in order to get attention from the people in the room because I felt so alone. And I needed to have some sob story um, in order to like feel like they were going to stay friends with me because they felt obligated if, you know, I had this big tragedy happen. So, um, and because, you know, even that didn't do it. So I just kept eating, 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 eating that whole trip, spending so much money on food. Um, and I came home and my mom picked me from the airport. One of the first things she said is, wow, your thighs have gone so muscular. They were not muscular. They were just twice the size they were when I left on that trip. Um, and I don't know what broke in me, but something broke and I asked for help because even before this, like I never really had hope that diets would work. So I never really dieted. Um, and so I never really dieted. That was never, I would do it for two weeks. And if I didn't lose a hundred pounds in two weeks, I was like, well, that didn't work and went back to doing what I was doing. So I don't know what gave me hope that um, 
or what made me start going to FA meetings. And I say that my next sentence is, I do know, and that was God. I know the only thing that got me to attend my first meeting was my higher power. Um, because I didn't really think I had a problem with food. I thought food was my best friend. So I went to, I started program and um, I lied completely for the first three weeks. Um, I remember meeting my sponsor for the first time and we had lunch and I was eating my lunch out of little plastic baggies with my fingers. <laughs> so I was 17 uh, and I was telling her how wonderful program was. I can't imagine my life without this program. Meanwhile, the night before was babysitting and ate what the kids were eating. So completely lying for the first three weeks. And then the speaker at the front of the room at a meeting talked all about honesty. Um, and something broke in me. And I went to someone at that meeting and told her what I had been doing. And she said, go call your sponsor. And I did. And I got honest. And I was working the program to the best of my ability. Um, but I was just, again, I was in so much fantasy and denial. I had no idea what was up from down. So the first year I was just trying to learn how to get abstinent. Um, so my recovery really starts in August of 09. Um, and I mean, the most the most painful thing and the best thing I ever did was learn how to get crazy, brutally, <laughs> stringently honest with my sponsor. Um, I would call her multiple times throughout the day, text her books because Again, I just had no idea what was up from down. So any thought that came into my head, I had to check with someone to say, is this real or is this my disease? Because, you know, I thought it was totally normal to lick your plate or to, you know, weigh out my boarding item to 1.1 and take one fleck off at a time till it got to 1.0 or, um, you know, and it's just all those little details around the food I had to get honest with my sponsor about and ask. And even to this day, I had to talk to her yesterday about the amount of salt that I use, um, so I'm grateful that honesty doesn't stop and we never have to graduate. Like I get to have a sponsor, you know, and my sponsor's not going anywhere. And that's such a gift. Um, I so believe that everything good in my life has come, has started with my relationship with my sponsor because she taught me how to have a relationship with God. She taught me how to eat abstinently and everything good in my life has come from eating abstinently my relationship with God. Um, so... Once I started getting really honest around the food and my tools in my life, I mean, the miracles of this program just started happening all over the place. I mean, the biggest one is I ate and weighed and measured in a college dining hall um, for two years, um, and I didn't want the other food. I didn't want the food that was around. It was such a miracle to me that it was like plastic. It just wasn't a part of my experience. So, and that the tools that I learned that I use to get neutrality and peace around the food, I get to use in every other area of my life. So it helped me to write one of my biggest fears was writing, you know, an honors thesis. And I would literally get on my knees before and after every writing session. I would talk to fellows all throughout. Um, and that was one of the first experiences that I felt like I did not write this paper, God and my fellows did. <laughs> um, I showed up to the computer, but it was all of them that was helping me through it. So my relationship with God um, you know, my sponsor would say, build it on gratitude. And so I just had to fake it for a long time. I had to fake my relationship with God and getting on my knees and saying, okay, buddy, whatever the heck you are, can you like help me not eat, I guess, maybe? <laughs> and um, and then it grew. And I remember the summer that before my sophomore year of college, um, my, about a few days before I went back to college, my mom 
went to the hospital and there was a lot of things happening and I was really scared to go back to college. And my dad was dropping me off at the airport and I was crying when he was hugging me goodbye. And I literally felt God take my hand and walk me all the way through airport security to get out on the plane. Um, it was phys- it was like a physical sensation. And I do not, again, I do not come from a relationship with God, but things like that have happened all over in my life. And um, and my, my life today, to me, is such a miracle. Like, my life is a manifestation of the promises of this program. It's walked me through the most incredible times of learning how to date in this program, how to set boundaries when I'm dating, and how to introduce my now husband into my way of life. And, um, you know, when I introduced him, to, when I told him about the program, what I said was, this is my favorite part of my life. And that is true. Um, I remember when I was dating other people and I would say, I'm falling more in love with myself than I am with any of these guys because I love my life today. This program has given me the ability to handle um, every single situation that comes up. So my mom ended up passing away about three months before my wedding. And I do not feel like I missed a second of grief or a second of joy in planning that because of the way this fellowship wrapped itself around me. You know, my sponsor was in the room when my um, mom passed and she was on my knees with me right before I walked down the aisle. And um, I'm just so grateful for all of that's happened after that as well. Um, so thank you for listening to my story of recovery from food addiction. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.